Thanks for joining us here. Uh, this is episode four okay. of uh, Blue Collar Startup. And uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, who you are, where we are, and, uh, and what you do. Uh, my name is Jamie Mager. Uh, we are at Troy Grooming Company at 205 River Street, Troy, and we are a full service barbershop. Full service barbershop. I, I love the vibe in here, first of all. It's Thank cool. I also go to a barber. I think all, all guys should. Sure. Right? Uh, and uh, I don't know, man. I think actually most barbershops that I go into got a pretty cool pretty cool vibe. You've got some really kind of old school stuff yeah. happening. I think that's that's pretty sweet. That's That was the intention to bring like an old school feel. Um, barbershops are definitely, when I first opened this location in 15, I opened and then it seemed like every other weekend another one was opening. Yeah. Uh, so barbershops are definitely on the on the return. Um, yeah, I can remember 20 years ago. Unisex, right? There was like it was like either you'd yeah. go to a unisex shop or there'd be like one barber, yeah. maybe. And he, and he area, was yeah. 80 years old. Yeah, yeah. Although it was funny actually, I used to go to this place called Northgate Barbershop up in Queensbury, New York. Okay. I don't even know if they're still in business. Uh, but it was, it was like they had four chairs. It yep. was all the guys were like in their 60s. Yep. It was old school yep. and uh, very few young guys going in there. Mm -hmm. It was all the old timers. And Everybody stuff. went where, where mommy went. Yeah. Like they bring them along. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's no, pretty interesting. Yeah. So how, uh, how long have you been doing this? I started cutting friends hair when I was about 18. I'm 42. Um, started, you know. Cutting in a garage or in in, uh, in their bedroom. Um, went away to college. Cut you know cut everybody's hair in the dorms. Um, came back home after school. Uh, went into went into construction um, after getting a finance degree. Go figure. <laughs> and I uh, got sick of got sick of construction. I believe in 0607. And just me and my barber at the time, he wasn't happy where he was. I wanted out of construction. I said, let's open a barbershop. Um, I think that was the end of 07 we opened. Um, that was in Latham. So you always had kind of an affinity for, for cutting hair? I mean, it Yeah, it, it was from my great uncles. It's in the family. Uh, my mother's side and my father's side, there's barbers. Um, it skipped a... A generation and then I should skip two generations and that came to me um, you know I was heard stories growing up as a kid my uncle Tony was the first barber in the capital district to take appointments and I didn't, I was like you know you're full of shit like that's not that's not a thing but some of the old fashion barbers that we just spoke of you know they verified it they're like you know your uncle Tony ruined the business started taking appointments and then we, <laughs> and we all had to take appointments um, so that is a tradition I carry on. I think a lot of barbershops nowadays do do it, um, but there still are some people stuck in their ways where it's like it was, you know, back show up when back, you, yeah, you show up. You got if you got to spend the whole day in the barbershop waiting for a haircut, then so be it. Yeah, but you know, for business purposes, I prefer appointments. And uh, and so I know, like, do you do what kind of hours you work around? I know a lot of guys do like. They're closed on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Sunday, Sunday, Monday. I honor that tradition of barbershops closed Sunday, Monday. That's yeah. my weekend. Um, Tuesday, ten to six. Uh, Saturday, seven to three. But I'm here before ten 
I'm a firm believer if so, you know, so some some days I start cutting hair at eight o'clock, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to do that every day. So if eight o'clock was on the door, then I got to be here at eight o'clock. That's why we keep at ten o'clock. That's the time we open. Gotcha. Now I'm here a lot. You know, I got a lot of old time customers that, you know, they they need to get in in the morning. I, I'm here most days eight thirty. You know, but nice hours of operation are ten to six. Tuesday through Friday, Saturday seven to three. Now. You said you've got uh, this. You got another location besides this. I was. I bought another building to move this to um, to increase the square footage. You know the footprint to maybe add another barber, add some other services. But I got cold feet with the development we were just talking about finally taking place down mm -hmm. here. This is where I started. I'm going to keep this home. Maybe open up um, a salon there, possibly. Okay. It won't be a barbershop. It'll be something in the industry. Yeah. Um, that's to be determined. Okay. But it'll be something soon. All right. That's um, fair. Yeah. So, uh, now you said you, you, you're in your 40s. You started when you're 18. Yeah. A couple uh, dips out of the industry and then coming back in. Yes. What, uh, what kept bringing you back into the industry? I'm just curious. Because it's, it's not work to me. Like, I come in, it's, I enjoy it. Um. You meet new people every day. Yeah. Uh, always have, you form a connection with your clients. Yeah. Um, a lot of people I see every week, every two, every three weeks, some people every couple months, whatever the time frame is, you always usually pick back up on the conversation you had before. You know, part of my job is to remember names and faces and remember the conversations. I think that's what separates this job from a lot of other jobs is people can't fathom how I remember I could have not seen someone for a year and I remember her or I remember what their job was I remember you know their kids names just create like I my the guys that work with me can't believe that if I look at the phone I know who the customer is like I can tell who you are by your phone number <laughs> for answering by your voice if I hear another guy answer the phone and they'll say a name, I'm like, what's the phone number? They'll say the phone number and I'll know who it is. Like, How do you do what's it? the phone number? That's, so I'll, yeah. I'll know, I, you know, that's part of, that's why it's really not like coming to work. It's, just, it's networking. It's, it's beautiful because I know somebody in every trade. So people come here for advice, referrals, therapy, the whole nine. I know, I know the barber shop that I go to, and uh, I won't throw those guys under the bus, but <laughs> I, you know, like it's definitely like everything that's going on, man. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sitting there, like it's, and it's interesting how I hear, like you know, I'll come in, there'll be a guy in the two chairs, there's a conversation starting, and then I'm, I now I'm in the conversation, that, and then it continues as I get into the chair, and then yeah. uh, I'm a firm believer, like the what I like is. If all four chairs are full, if everybody is in the conversation, you know, even if it's this this chair started it, I like it if the guy all the way at the other end is, all the customers are communicating. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times what will happen is people get on the same schedules, so they wind up running into, like, like you know, well, I see you here an awful lot. Mm -hmm. They're on the same, they get their hair cut every second Thursday of the month, every third Friday of the month. So it's that vibe is cool because people are getting used to seeing the same faces. Yeah. And I think that's what people like that. You know, it's it's a 
It's like people going to the bar. They go to the bar to see the same people at the bar store. Or they go to the restaurant because they want to see the same people. You know, they come here because of the actors. Yeah. Of and, and we give a good haircut. And that's a bonus. Yeah, that's right? a bonus. Yeah, you, you get a good haircut too. You're paying for the company. Yeah. You get the haircut yeah. for free. Yeah, right? the that's haircut's it. bonus. <laughs> uh, so as you, you know, have been coming through this industry over the last 25 years, really, mm-hmm. what, uh, what, you know, what stands out as far as secrets to success of you know the kind of things that you saw? Like, what do you, what do you think it takes to make it and run a, a blue collar business like this in the kind of environment that we're in right now? I think most important, I mean, I guess this would go for all service industry, all small business really, all blue collar. But what I preach to my guys in the barbershop is, like I stated, names, phone numbers, haircuts, remember something about the person so you have that connection. Um, be here. You, you got you can only be as busy as you're here so if your hours are 10 to 6 you're here 10 to 6 um, consistency um, I joke around and, and say you know the customer is always right doesn't apply here but like because you come here for a certain for, for a certain thing you know always provide that same service they come here because we're the barbers, we're the experts on it. Advise, you know, always be open to their suggestions, but know your trade, know the business so you can pass that knowledge on to the customer. A barber, any barber that I, everybody that's ever worked here, I've taken on as an apprentice. Um, I've got them to the master barber level. Some I've helped them open their own shops. Some of them left the industry altogether. Um, Currently, we're in the rebuilding phase. You know, I got two other apprentices here now. Um, next week, another master barber starts. Um, and what I tell them all is I like people all to learn hair the way I learned how to cut hair. So we all do it the same. Just in case I can't get you in, you're not, and you need a haircut, you're not, you're not afraid, or I'm not afraid to put you in another chair. Um, there's no such thing as a perfect haircut. There's no such thing as the best barber because if you're a barber and you're not learning something new each day, you're not a barber. Like nobody's hair is the same. You know, you always have a different head in the chair. Um, and even if it's the same customer, unfortunately, as we get older, you know, our- Mine's getting a little thinner, man. Hair little, changes. It's a little bit. So you can't use the same techniques you did five years ago. Huh? Yeah. People our age, like, it, shit changes, right? Yeah. So, like, when it, a big pet peeve of mine is this younger generation coming up with all their industries, as well as barbering, they think they can learn a trade on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not, if you told me you learned this shit on YouTube, don't use it in this barbershop. <laughs> like, granted, YouTube has its purposes, and, I, and I'm not saying that the YouTube video... You didn't learn something from it, but we don't like just freestyle on somebody's head because we watched a little YouTube for a TikTok video last night. Like, so no, no experimenting. <laughs> yeah, there's no, I mean, no, it's always an experiment. Like you learn the way you become a good established seasoned barber is by being behind a chair. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you experiment, but 
it just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because of my age and I don't believe in your, learn. I don't believe in learning it by watching YouTube. Learn it on the job. Learn it by watching me or another barber. Do mm -hmm. it. I do it on the head. Or you learn it by doing it on the head. With, with your eyes. Like, it, everything with barbering is you got to see, you got to see the finished finish product. And know how to get to the product. You know, you might take a different route on every single customer. Uh, I like to teach my guys, like, the, the basics. Like, the basic tools to use. How to use them. Um, or what to use them for. How you use them. That's to each barber. You know, what they're comfortable doing with it. Um, okay. But the, the trade is always evolving. Like, their styles come up like mullets are cool again. Like, I don't think I mullets... I thought about growing one out, man. I was like, my buddy's I, got a mean mullet right now. I'm like, I don't think mullets were ever cool, but... They are right they now. Are, they are cool right now, yeah. Um, I was told by... It was actually a female customer yesterday. She's a professor at uh, Emma Willard. She said, have... Have you heard the new trend? And I'm like, I'm like, Julie, the trend changes like every month. Like these social media, like has the barber industry ever evolving? I'm like, what are you hearing? She goes, perms are back. And I'm like, perms again with mullets were never cool. <laughs> um, but fortunately for the barber industry, I can't do a perm, right? And that's a cosmetology license. So if a guy or a woman comes in and says, I'd like a permanent today. Sorry, pal. Can't do it. Can't, we ain't doing it. But you, you can know, cut a mean mullet. Uh, we, I've given in to performing a mullet service. Yes. Performing a mullet yes. service. I, I, I was very hesitant. I've talked some people out of it, but then they pull up the phone and they're like, dude, look at this mullet. And I'm like, yeah, that looks like shit. But It's a mullet. It's but they're like, oh, my girlfriend mullet. wants me to get it. And if, dude, if somebody's got a girlfriend that's willing to, Co-sign the mullet, and <laughs> I gotta get to do the mullet. You gotta do it as much as I don't want to. You might we, be helping the guy out. You know, we man. have done our fair share of mullets. Fair here. share of mullets. Yeah, <laughs> but not, but do not want to be known as the mullet guys. No, no, no. all right, no, that's fair. The, no, it is not. It, nor it is not. Nor will ever be on. It's not on the board. On the board. All no. Right. <laughs> no. Uh, so, um, how about? Uh, you know, uh, through the years, uh, what do you, you know, owning a business again is never easy in any mm -hmm. industry. What, what do you think uh, throughout the years, what, what do you think your biggest challenge is that, that you've confronted in your business and, and tell us maybe how you got past it or over it or through it or, or maybe you're still chipping away at it, you know, who knows? Um, so like I shared with you, um, oh, seven, we, I opened my first shop, um, 012, I fell on some, some hardship. I am a recovering alcoholic. Okay. 2012, I was granted um, an extended vacation by the Department of Corrections. Um, That's nice of them. Yeah, so I, I was given a two year stay in Guanda, New York, at one of our state correction facilities. Okay. Um, Three hots and a cop. Yeah, and I still was able to be a barber. I was, I was the. You still did it when you I were was, inside? yes, I was, I was a barber on the tier, and I also. The state also has state-run barbershops. Um, and I was, I was an employee um, at that barbershop for the generous um, wage of, I believe, five cents an hour. Um, so I was able to hone my, my skills um, in our facilities. Nice. 
Um, the, and I only bring it up because then the challenge when I came home at 14 was <clears throat> I signed, you know, for business purposes, I signed off my half of the business to my business partner. Um, so he would not be negatively affected from my departure, um, which allowed me to, to grow this. Um, instead of opening in Latham, we're going back to that shop. My clientele is over here. Figured I was starting over. Troy was in the middle of its hundredth renaissance yeah. in my time. Yeah. Um, I said, you know what, maybe it's real this time. And I, I believe it is now. Um, so I called this home. The starting over in the, in the industry it is, is cumbersome, is difficult because people get as I'm sure you can attest to, people get comfortable going to the same person. Yeah. When a barber moves, another thing I preach to my guys, don't don't bounce from shop to shop to shop. Customers get sick of that. Yeah. Like they're only going to follow you so many times before they're like, dude, I just want to find somebody that I know I can go see next month in the same freaking location. Um, it might not even be the best haircut. Exactly. That's, a, I preach that. That is more important, like the consistency of it. Like, as long as the haircut's the same, it don't have to be the best haircut. Yeah. If it's the same and it's in the same spot by the same guy, that speaks volumes. You know, that, it's weight and gold. Um, so getting those customers to come back, you know, it, that, it, it, it was up uphill back. It, they came back. You know, they, yep. they come back. Um, so this is year seven here. Um... The other hard part is doing that process I just spoke of in 2012, doing that all over again, which I just recently did um, six months ago. So that's why I say we're in a rebuilding phase. Okay. Um, I relapsed, was taken away from my business for a little while, came back February 1st, and now slowly but surely uh, people are coming back. And this time, a little slower than last time, but it's good because now I'm able to I'm going to be able to teach three new people. Um, and like I preached to the two. The, the chair you're sitting in is the youngest kid I've ever taken on. He's 18 years old. Um, the other two are in their 20s. But like what I'm teaching them is like. I'm passing on my knowledge to you. That's all part of the business. Like that. I'm hesitant this time. But I only know that that's how the business grows and I grow in the industry and how the industry grows and how the barber grows. Like if, if I hope they stay with me and try to a company until they retire. Sure. I'm not always going to be able to stand behind a chair. I would love to pass this on to someone who wants to carry it on. Um, but the, the most important part and the biggest hurdle in the business, COVID was a big hurdle. Oh, and yeah. That's part of, COVID is also part of you know, me having to step away that we had to close, you know, um, to keep your guys focused, to keep your clients focused, to keep your guy, your clients remembering that you're still here, you know, when they come back. Um, people are still trickling in now from February of 2020, mm -hmm. like that. I've been giving themselves home haircuts. Like, just getting the word out that you're still there and you're still present and you're still in the same location is the most important part of 
my business and I think a lot of blue collar businesses, you know, carpenters, masons, like perform, answer the phone is very key in all blue collar businesses. Being responsible, being there when you say you're going to be there at the time you say you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another catch 22 with the appointments. Like the guys that don't take appointments, they have that to fall back on. If they get behind, you're, you're next in line. You know right. I mean? Like if I tell you to be here at 12 and it's 12:20, I got somebody else in the chair. What's my excuse? Oh man, I know my guy, and, you know, I, and I love my guy, and I've been seeing him for like eight years, but like he's never on time. Yeah, that I <laughs> like. I tell these guys like, if you can't fulfill the obligation of every half hour, don't book every half hour. Book every hour. Right. Like, sit out, sit down, take a breather for 15, 20 minutes. Like if. If you can't do a haircut in a half an hour, then don't book every half hour. Yeah. Like they see I do a haircut. Some, there, there's some guys I can do in 15 minutes. If I don't have to do it, if I have the half hour to do it, I make every haircut last half hour. Just because that's what everybody's awarded. You get a half hour in the chair for the cost of the haircut. But, you know, if I got to squeeze somebody in, I can do somebody in 15, 20 minutes. I don't let these other guys try and squeeze people in between mm-hmm. haircuts. Because the whole basis of the appointment, so they made an appointment at noon because they got somewhere to be at twelve forty-five. Get them out of here for twelve thirty. Yeah, you know that's another trick of the trade of if you if you schedule a mason to pour your slab on Monday and he comes on Wednesday, right. like you might have had a birthday party on Tuesday for your kids. Yep, and and. That might work in retail and in corporate America or in, gov- or in government. It works in government. You can tell somebody you'll promise them something. And in, in healthcare too, man. Yeah, like, right. How many times have you have you gotten yeah. right in when you, the doctor said he's never, gonna see you? Like ever. Never. Never. I still don't even understand that whole. I'm like, well, why do you make me? Why do you make me set an appointment if you're not gonna see me for 45 minutes? So I, or how about your appointment? Your appointment's at one, but please show up at 12:30. So. You can do the paperwork you have for it. Well, right. I've been a, I've been a patient for thirteen years. Like, we're we're doing this same form again. Like, just, just in case your height yeah. changed, yeah, or your eye color, yeah. who knows, yeah. right? Um, so you know, we we kind of talked about it earlier uh, the the resurgence that we've seen with barbershops, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I you know I think as we look around the business community, I really you know I think in the last ten years, but really the last five especially, I feel like. We've seen a big resurgence with butchers, yeah, yep. barbers. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of these blue collar industries that kind of went away mm-hmm. for you know, let's say the '80s and the '90s, yeah. and now they're 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 really coming back and really you know really having this uh, reemergence and this surgence. And you know, what what are your thoughts on that? Do you have any thoughts on that about why that is, or what you know what's what's bringing everybody back into the, these blue collar industries? I think a lot of the industries that we speak of are were originally like family-run businesses, like generational things. Like if if you're you say a butcher, like if your grandfather was a butcher, your father was usually a butcher, and then if you wanted to be a butcher, you were a butcher, right? Um, in the '80s and '90s, I think that started to die off. I think a lot of that generation didn't want to carry on that legacy because um, they thought that going to college was the, like the key to key to yeah, success. Yeah, that was the key to success to get a good job, right? Go to yeah, college. you had to go to, how to go to college. Now, yeah, I fell into that trap, right? Like uh, nobody in my family had a college degree, so 
I was like, uh, I had the opportunity to go to college and, and, and make my parents proud. To be honest with you, I went to college for that reason, not because I wanted to, not because I thought that was the way to, to make money or to find a career, but to make my parents happy, I remember the day I graduated in 01, like I, I gave my parents the diploma. Like, you know, here, you know, I did it. You know, it was like, for, that, for our generation, like that was bragging rights for parents. Give it to them. You know, like here you go. I got this for you. Yeah, you know, like, that, those were bragging rights. All you know, my co my kid graduated college. Yeah. You know, like and and for that time period, like that was great. Um, I graduated with a finance degree, worked on Wall Street for a year and a half, hated every single second of it. And when I left, I came home. I was sitting on a bulldozer. You know, literally the day the day after I came home from working at the World Trade Center, like I hated every second of it. Um, the reason I believe it's coming back is I think people are finally starting to realize college is not for everyone. If everyone goes to college, there's nobody to fill these positions that the world needs to go around, mm -hmm. right? Like... Yeah, the world can't function without these people. Yeah, like, these jobs have to be filled in. If everybody goes to college, everybody's competing for the same job. We don't need that many of that job. We need the hands-on people. And the trades, like a plumber, an electrician, a butcher, a barber, they're making the hourly wage nowadays that the job I could have been seeking after in the 90s was making back then. Yeah. Like, if everybody's competing for that business administration degree job, like, those, those, are, those guys are making... $15 an hour jobs yeah, now. Those yeah. Are, yeah, exactly. Like, when I tell people what I make an hour, or what my brother makes an hour as an electrician, you know, plus a benefit package, like... Let's, I had a conversation with a guy the other day. Bragging about his dad or about his kid, telling me about how his kid went to school, went to college. Mm -hmm. He's a programmer. He's like, oh yeah, he's making like ninety bucks an hour. And I was just like, so is my buddy who's an electrician. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and he like, yeah, I don't, you know, like, and cool, he, listen, and he's making that ninety bucks an hour, and then when he gets out of work at four, he's going and doing a side job for two hundred an hour. Right. And the programmer's working a nine to five, and he's at the beck and call of. Yeah. Whomever he worked for. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting, you know, uh, interesting shift in dynamic. I, I, I think that the mom and pops are coming back, and I'm hope, hoping that you know this, these next generations to come do carry on the businesses that their parents or their uncles or aunts or grandparents you know built for them. Like my family was in the restaurant industry, you know. My great-grandparents come from Italy, and they opened up, like, a little corner store deli. And then my grandmother, she opened up, her and her husband opened up their corner store deli. And then they opened up a diner. And then my mother and aunt, they opened up restaurants and delis and so on and so forth. And my brother and my mother went into the business together until it just became, you know, you're working 80 hours a week for five bucks an hour like it's yeah it, it, it has to be a labor of love and you know my mother's up there in age she couldn't do it anymore the 
people that have her work ethic that we were raised on, sadly enough, they're few and far between now. Yeah. Because everybody is is gravitating towards that college work ethic. Like, well, if I get A's, then I'm guaranteed a good job. And which you're not. Which you're not. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. Yeah. And then uh, with a word from our sponsor, <laughs> it will come right back. Perfect. <laughs> this episode of Blue Collar Startup is brought to you by Daigle Cleaning Systems and Daigle Franchises. Launch your blue collar startup with a proven system like Daigle Cleaning Systems. This episode also brought to you by Spa City Digital. Take your blue collar business to the next level with Spa City Digital, marketing made easier. And of course, a special thanks to our guest today, Jamie Mager from Choi Grooming Company. And now back to the interview. All right, so we're back. So uh, I you, right before the break, you were talking about work ethic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's something really, really important these days. Because I know, you know, on the past couple of podcasts, I've, you know, talking with Derek Foster and talking about with uh, Devin Camengay. And, and, and I think that work ethic is something that we didn't, we touched on it, but not enough. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the importance of work ethic is now, especially in the blue collar arena? I mean, what, it, what are your thoughts? With a strong work, that, that's the key to your future in, in, in any career. Um, and in your in your future, because if if you have a work ethic on the job, it usually carries over into your personal life. Um, with a strong work ethic, you you don't tend to expect someone else to pick up the slack. You have the confidence that you know what if I, if I want to get to point B I, I, from A, I can I can get there myself just by by working hard instead of having to rely on outside um, people or instances or help uh, mo- most times. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody needs help to, to grow, but with a strong work ethic, you are very sought after in, I'm going to go as far as saying any industry, um, because that is a dying breed. Um, I think a lot of the the younger generations just want that comfortable job, like the nine to five, not to be expected of much. Like to work here, like you, you we open at ten, but you that doesn't mean you come at five up. Mm-hmm. Like you come an hour at, or at minimum a half hour before. Set up your station, set up the towels, make sure the place is clean, check your books, check the answer machine. Like this is just because I signed the lease and I paid the bills, this is everybody's, this is, if you have a station here, this is your business, like, treat it as such. Um, yeah, it's interesting, I, you're saying work hard, you know, like, I can't tell you how many times in the last, like, two weeks especially, I don't know why this keeps coming up, but every time I turn around someone's telling me, they're like, you work too much, dude, you're working all the time, blah, blah, and I'm like, I got a lot of goals. I'm trying to accomplish a lot of things, man. Like, I, I can't do it by, by going on another vacation. Or yeah. By going, you know what I mean? Like, I... But, you, like I said, like, this isn't work for me. So, I don't look at it like that. Like, I'm sure you love what you do. So, yeah, you might have a lot of man hours put into what you do. But, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you don't look at it as you're overworking yourself. Because you love what you do. So... You know, like, for instance, I had, to go, I had a doctor's appointment on Monday. And they said, you know, what are some of your hobbies? And I'm like, work. 
They're like, well, no, <laughs> no, they're like hobbies, and I'm like, well, you know, work and, and my ki- my kids and my family. You know, I, I'm like my my work is my hobby. Like, if I'm not here, I'm working on one of my buildings. That's my wreck. You know, like t- vacation. Yeah, vacations are great, but I, you go on too many vacations, you know, you're kind of going backwards, right? You're like, you're yeah. not you're not building on the goal. You're not getting. A vacation is a goal. Like, we all want to go on vacation once a year, but a lot of times when I'm on vacation, because of my work ethic, I feel like I'm missing out or I'm leaving something behind. Yeah. Know? Well, I know I always get the uh, the the vacation hangover too. So uh, four days, I'm done. Uh, uh, well, I, listen, I come back from vacation, and I like. And work is just a complete shit show because nothing got done for seven days. Like, yeah, that's the worst, man. Yeah. And I know that for me, I've got four kids. So, like, going on vacation is not a vacation. Because I'm basically just now I'm just waiting uh, hand and foot on my kids for seven straight days and taking them to the beach and taking them to this and surfing or whatever, wherever we're doing, whatever, uh, whatever we're doing, wherever we're going. But, uh, yeah. It's a million times more stressful than standing behind that camera or computer or behind one of these chairs. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's not a vacation. No, I'm with <laughs> This you. is a vacation from my vacation. This is nice, actually. I you like know? sitting, you know, doing the, these podcasts. It's kind of like a vacation. Yeah. Just get to hang out and learn shoot about people. Shoot the shit, yeah. And shoot the shit, right? Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about uh, day-to-day routines for you. you. You got any, you know, like I keep asking, I'm waiting for someone to come out with something crazy, but... You got any like weird morning routines? You know, you drinking any of that batshit coffee or uh, doing any of that stuff or no, just? I do drink coffee. Uh, does not come out of a bat's ass. Um, <laughs> it, it comes out of a, a Breville espresso maker. All right. Uh, um, I wake up. Depending if the kids are with me or not, I'm usually up at between six and seven. Um, the day starts with a prayer, then it starts with making my bed, then it starts with espresso, <laughs> and then getting the kids up, and that's a battle, and then it's just going over my schedule for the day. I'm starting to get the hang of using the telephone to make a schedule, to have alerts. Um, now you said you get up and make your bed. Is that, you do that like... That's the one thing you do every day because it's the one, you know, Before like... Before I leave the bedroom. What's, uh, what general was it? It's a book. It's yeah, a, it was like the 10 rules or whatever. It's uh, called, it's called Make Your Bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sits on my coffee table. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, I guess the, the premise of that is if you make your, it's such an easy task. If you make your bed, at least you got one thing done for the day. Yeah. And it's supposed to... Carry on to the next thing. Yeah, it kind of gets you in that habit, right? That goal setting and and achieving habit. There's nothing worse than walking past a room and seeing a messy bed. A messy bed kind of sucks. It does. And and, you know, unless you're in it, rewinding to my, you know, to my state vacation, like that was something you had to do. Like you were supposed to be able to bounce a quarter off that day. Mm -hmm. So that's it's something that stuck with me. Like a messy bed is not good. In any circumstance, unless you're in, unless you're in it. Unless you're in, then messy beds are fun. Like if you bring somebody home and, <laughs> right, and, and right, your right. bed's messy, like it's uh, bad, no good. bad no good. first impression. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, kind of uh, circling back around, you know, that as far as the crazy routines or any of that stuff and, and schedules and do you do any kind of planning, goal setting, any anything like that, you know, throughout the year for your business or is it more just I know where I'm trying to go, I'm just going to keep uh, chipping away at it? Here, here my goal, here my goal is, you know, like when I rewind to 15, here my goal was to get all chair, all four chairs full and everybody able to book every half hour on the hour if they wanted to, you know, like to have enough people walking through the door so that everybody was able to have a nice living, enjoy what they do, um, and build a future for themselves. That, that stays true for inside these walls, you know. Like I said, we're rebuilding. My goal is to, to all four of us have our clientele that we're comfortable with, everybody make a good, honest living to achieve whatever his or her goals are. Um, my other hobby slash business is, is real estate and renovating homes. Um, I set a goal, I set a goal for myself where I wanted to to buy a building a year until I had 10, 10 buildings, X amount of units. Um, that also started in 2015. And I think at one point I, I had exceeded that, that pace. Um, I was up to, to seven buildings. I most recently sold two. Um, and and I've, I've shrunk my, my radius of where I wanna perform. One of my goals right now moving forward is I live downtown and my goal is to occupy a large portion of that block and to build it into a neighborhood again. A neighborhood where my kids, you know, I feel safe with them running around the streets like I did when I was a kid down sure. here, you know. Um, a few years ago, when I first got into this said neighborhood, it wasn't the most sought after neighborhood. Um, after doing four houses in that neighborhood, I own two of them. I'm sorry, five five houses on the block. I currently still own two of them. The other three I sold to owner occupants. That's part of key part of building the neighborhood, mm-hmm. where you know people have a vested interest in in the neighborhood. Um, and then a block over is is essentially I want to focus on two two square blocks of the neighborhood I live in. Um, same pace, I think. I'm pretty sure I'll outpace that goal like I did mm-hmm. previously. Um, but the goal is is to, to put the blinders on and just focus on that neighborhood instead of the next the next hot deal. Sure. You know, like if I focus on that neighborhood, now not only am I building a future for myself and my kids, but we're stabilizing the city. We're, 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 doing, we're giving back to the community, and that's always been a goal here. Like, I got a curse jar. If you curse with a woman and child, and a woman or a child inside these four walls, you put a dollar in a cup, and at the end of the month or the quarter, that cup goes to a charity of, you know, the Barber's Choice. Like, all, you know, we all come together, put yep. our heads together, and say, you know, it's going to go to this, this school this month, or this fund or this charity this month, you know, whatever. Um, in the real estate industry, 
if I can build a good future and a good investment portfolio, as well as giving back to that community and building a nice neighborhood for people to raise their kids in, then it's a home run. You know, then it, it, it's fulfillment. Um, it can't just be about the bottom line. Yeah, bottom line is important, or else you can't. Yeah, you got to make money. You can't, can't keep business. doing it. Right. Can't right. stay in business, but it, it can't be. It can't be the sole focus. Usually, if that's the sole focus, a lot of times, the, if the business don't have a mission, the business doesn't really have a long lifespan. Sure. There's got to be a a, a a goal to to that business. Okay. A mission statement, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, it's a good word. So, so let me ask you this. So if you were going to give anyone, uh, you know, one piece of advice, you say like, hey, listen, if you're going to be successful in this industry or really any kind of blue collar industry, what would that piece of advice be? Probably threefold or three phases. You know, love what you do. Work hard at it. And if you do love it, then don't give up on it. Because eventually, if you work hard enough at it, it everything will all come to fruition. You know, don't don't listen to. Don't listen to. Um, you know the doubters, the naysayers. A lot of times, when someone says, "Oh, you're crazy for being a barber," or "You're crazy for being an electrician or a plumber or a whatever butcher," it's because they wish that they wish that they could do that. You know. If you work with your hand, if you're able to work with your hands in the blue collar industry, you pretty much you can write your own ticket. You know, years ago, you know, long before us, and then like we said, it fell off. But I believe from within the last five years of moving forward, those days of yesteryear are coming back. Where if you're good with your hands, you are you're you're a commodity. You're sought after, and you can write your own ticket. So if you if you love it, stick with it, or find something you love and stick with it. Um, this is probably not a popular belief, but college is not the only way. Like college, I I, I butt heads with my my wife now. Like our, we don't have to tell our girls they have to go to college. Like they're nine and six in 10, 12 years. You know the cost of college is going to be insanity. It's already more insane, insane more insane than it is now. Yeah. Um. And the the pool the com the competition is going to be tenfold from what it is now, right? Um. Like I joke with people, I'm like, I hope one's an electrician, one's a plumber. Like I'll build the real estate yeah. empire from. And let them learn the trade, and they can service all the all the buildings. Yeah, you know, and then they, then they're not. God only knows what a four year degree is going to cost in ten years. Yeah, you know, it's almost a half a million dollars now. I got four kids that in the next ten years are going to be going to college. So I, <laughs> I believe mean, I'm sitting there going, please go to trade. School. God willing, please yeah, go to trade. God school. willing that you know it, it becomes. That's the avenue that, that it's pushed in schools. You know, this this doesn't only just... We're not the start or the end of, of this pushing blue collar. Like, I truly believe it should be pushed in both public and private school. Yeah. Like it, it, yes, it all starts at home, but 
if it's beat into the kids' heads a little bit in, in school, you know, instead of, oh, you got to go to college, you got to go to college, you know, you got to get A's, you got to get A's. No, you don't have to get A's to be successful in life. You know, I know Thank a God. lot of people in this blue-collar industry that I have a friend, his father has a fourth-grade education, and he is a beyond successful business person in, in the auto industry and in the real estate industry. And he has a, literally has a fourth grade education from our media. So, Good for him, man. You know, there's plenty of people just in the capital district that just graduated high school or didn't graduate high school who are on the board of trustees of our local banks. Like, and nobody even like stops for a minute and thinks about like Jesus, so and so didn't even graduate high school. Right. And he employs he or she employs five hundred people. Like it's crazy. You know, there's people going to college again spending half a million dollars like we saw just said and they're relying on somebody else to sign their check. Yeah. And they wouldn't even know how to deal with signing 500 checks, let alone making sure the money that they signed is there so those said people can cast a check. Like, yeah. That, that's something to be, there's a lot to be said for that. You know, and hopefully that our kids gravitate towards that. So, uh, so people want to find you. Where do, where do they find you? How do they get a hold of you? How do they get website, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok? Where, where do they go? <laughs> we do not currently have TikTok. We do have Facebook. We do have Instagram, which are Troy Romico. I don't think there's a dot com after that. Um, at Troy Grumico. Co. At Troy Grumico and just Troy Grumico on Facebook. Um, being tech illiterate, I fell prone to letting my website domain expire. So do not go to Troy Grooming Co. for the website. It is Troy Barber. TroyBarbershop.com is the new website. Um, go to our Google page for our hours of operation. Google My for, Business. For our phone number. Um, Can you book right through your Google My Business? I do not believe in that. I believe in you got to call and talk to someone. All right. There will never be a Booksy app, a Cut app, a Google app. There will always be a little black book on the desk with people's names and phone numbers. It's another just part of the personal boldness, if that's a word. Of it is now. Of, yeah, I just made it. <laughs> um, it's, that's, just, that's how you get to remember names and phone numbers and haircuts. So... Um, Perfect. Yeah. Website, phone number, social media. No TikTok as of yet, but if we do get TikTok, I'll put it up. We'll put it up there. Yeah, we'll put it up there. <laughs> for you guys. All right, man. Well, thanks again. I really do appreciate the time. I appreciate Thank you, you appreciate sitting down it. with us. So. Thanks, Bill. All right. It's nice to meet you. You too. Thank you.